0: Have you noticed anything? Have you noticed anything over the last couple of years? Because we've been, as a country, we've been through this kind of emotional roller coaster, right? Have you have you noticed a shift in our perception of adversity, and are we all have we all been kind of complaining about how tough we've had it?
1: I think um, it's hard to get people to appreciate the little things. So I think I said to you at the event, like I mean you know, we're the only country in the world that can literally have large events at the moment. And Mm -hmm. you just, I I sometimes feel like there is that, I mean, it seems to be a minority, which is a good thing, but there are still those people that just have that air of um, entitlement of, we we should be able to do this. Like, why shouldn't we be able to do this sort of thing? Instead of looking and standing back and going, whoa, how lucky are we that we're not, you know, Mm. shut up in our apartments and unable to leave the house and for months on end and we're able to go to concerts and sporting events and out for dinner and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, but I do think on the other side of that, um, overcoming adversity has been a big thing because so many people, it's impacted in so many different ways, like with jobs and and New Zealand's a very... um, what's the word I'm looking for, but um, like we're constantly always looking at the bigger picture and like, okay, how can we make, you know, we're very innovative and we work on problems solving and um, we're always trying to develop the next best thing and what's to make life easier and everything. And I know like, you know, we're doing, I'm doing Zoom meetings now, instead of flying to Christchurch once every three months for a meeting, and it's like, why didn't we do this sooner? Rather than you know, piling everyone onto a plane from around the country to meet in crush Airport for four hours and then flying us home again. And it's like, mm. so I do think it's it's forced a lot of people into that. But um, but then that's not um, sustainable either. I think people need people contact. Um, I don't think we should be living our lives fully on Zoom and um, you know computers and behind mm. a screen it is really nice and it's good for the soul to <laughs> actually see people face to face and have a catch up every now and then so um, yeah I do yeah I, I, I just think that it's kind of a it's a hard one because of the situation we're in because of COVID and people have lost jobs and all sorts of things and it's been horrible in that way but then the other side of it is it's opened up a whole lot of opportunity in other areas and I mean, Hawke's Bay, for example, is absolutely booming at the moment with trades, and you can't get any tradie at, at the moment for months because everyone's just gone ridiculous on like renovating their houses and building and <laughs> all sorts of stuff. And um, it's yeah, it's gone a bit a bit nuts in that way. So I think I think as a country we'll pull through okay, but it's definitely those industries like tourism and hospitality. That have been the greatest affected in the travel industry, obviously like flight centres and things like that, that um, are having to look at other ways of building on their um, organisations. I think to make to provide a service.
0: That, that you're making a point about you know New Zealand is generally being really big picture focused like if you if if we go back to that train of thought for a moment are you saying then to balance that out is there a need to also appreciate the little things in life like actually like looking at a looking at a rose bush or something and just appreciating you know yeah just
1: take time to smell the roses it's yeah I've learned that ever since um, you know with what I've been through is you can't always focus on all the big things all the time. You actually do have to take a step back and just appreciate the little things. And it changes your mindset and makes you more grateful for a lot of things too. And I know during lockdown, I was grateful for the fact that we could go for a walk around our neighborhood and you know say hi to people that you've never spoken to before on the street and everyone was like, excited to see another human being. <laughs> Um, and it it, and it made me appreciate, you know, how amazing our country is and I'm getting to travel around more and see more and I think it, it's definitely instilled that in a lot of people in the fact that, hold on, we actually do have a lot to be grateful for and a lot to be appreciative of and, and do take that time to appreciate the little things rather than, constantly focusing on you know the next big big Mm -hmm. thing that because we're all trying to you know outstripe like strive for amazing Mm -hmm. things
0: (laughs) as as you're saying in terms of what you've been through the fact that you you have not only overcome adversity but you just have this like this sense of imbued optimism and the way that you view the world i mean are you unique do you think <laughs> is there something is there something in your brain uh, that's slightly that's slightly unique or shifted?
1: Yeah, I think um, yeah, it's funny. I actually I met a um, professor once who says that you know I'm someone who kind of stands out from the crowd a little bit because I have this natural built resilience and you know he says it doesn't it's not if not everyone has that and um it made me think a little bit because i sort of think well i guess i have always been that sort of optimistic person and positive person i mean i went through a lot of adversity even growing up and you know changed schools all the time and constantly moved around the country and all these sorts of things and um but I think it makes you into the person that you are if you choose to allow it to. Mm. So we all obviously come to a fork in the road at some stage in our lives and it's which path you want to go down and it's choosing that. And um, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, it's not all puppy dogs and rainbows. There are days where I'm just like over it and don't want to adult and, you know, why me and all the rest of it and have a bit of a poor me day. But 99.9% of the time I do look at life as a gift and Mm. I think you know yes I had a lot taken away from me I was you know made a quad amputee due to medical misadventure and it should never have happened and all the rest of it but I feel like this is the path that I was meant to walk and I can just be grateful that I still have elbows and knees and I still can walk around and drive and be independent and enjoy life for what it is as well. So, um, yeah, I definitely think I probably have something a little different in my brain than mm. everyone else possibly.
0: Well, uh, you know, I don't want this to be on an on-the-couch psychology uh, kind yeah. of but <laughs> but, I do, but I do want to say sit with it for a moment I mean have you really have you really kind of self-analyzed it have you really looked at what it is and you know where where this optimism and where this resilience comes from because it is it is really striking when you you know when you when you look at what you've what you've been through and just the attitude that you have
1: um no I I mean I I've never really probably allowed myself to sort of sit back and and analyze it and it's like people say am I angry with you know the doctors and the system and everything like that but to me there's no point being angry nothing's going to change so I mean it's not like my hands and feet are going to grow back (laughs) and Mm -hmm. you know so to me it's you you can't spend your life um you know stressing about that sort of thing when it's not going to change the outcome, mm. so I guess it's just a matter of just getting on with it and what can I do with this and how can I show other people that you know I'm okay, but that it's okay to go through something and come out the other side of it. And um, but I also I don't want to come across ever as being arrogant and nonchalant about it either because I'm not. It's I mean. I, I appreciate that those doctors and nurses took, you know, their time and had the medical technology to save my life. Mm. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm grateful for that as well um, and will be and I'm grateful that I've got an amazing support network like with my fiance Craig and my friends and family and everyone who pulls together to, um, you know, look after me and make my life what it is but um yeah I can't I I I do think you know my childhood and everything definitely has a huge impact on the fact that I am resilient um and that I was able to overcome this had I not gone through everything then maybe it might have been a different story but um yeah
0: you talk a lot about optimism and gratitude alongside, alongside resilience. How connected are they, and do they kind of feed each other? Do you think?
1: I definitely think um, being resilient does make you, yeah, optimistic about life and grateful for the for the little things as well, um, because being resilient is obviously a strength. And being able to draw on that resilience, you've got to have other factors, and you can't just be a resilient person. You might be a resilient person and really negative about mm. life, as you know. You yes, okay, you overcame that, but you know, I'm like grumbling and moaning about the world, and no one wants to be my friend and all that sort of thing. Mm. So it's, I think, yeah, you have to have that optimism and the positive. Um, attitude and being grateful alongside, I think they will work together well. And I, yeah, I don't think it would be a nice place to be if you were resilient and overcame adversity, but with a really negative sort of attitude.
0: Mm. You, I mean, you were talking about your childhood really kind of setting you up for for this attitude. But are there ways where, you know, do you think people can make small shifts along the way to build that resilience, even if they haven't come from, uh, you know, like a childhood that, that builds that? Are there things that, that you can kind of set in place anyway?
1: Yeah, I think, and I mean, it stems from... um i guess it it's going back to that glass half full sort of attitude i think it you can build resilience um i don't know if people are born resilient or not um i think it's definitely something that you can build on with you know outside forces and tools and mindfulness and you know a, a gratitude for the things in your life and um, I think along the way you can, it's like a, like stepping stones and you could just you know, introduce new things into your life, like do what makes you happy and then that will stem onto, you know being more grateful for things and um, I think a lot of the time we put too much pressure on ourselves to be something that is unattainable so I think it's about also setting smaller goals for ourselves we you know we're we're all so hard on ourselves um about you know setting these huge goals to you know I want to take over the world and I want to be prime minister and I want (laughs) to be this and that but it's going taking that step back and looking at it from a point of view of you know just set a small goal like I know when I was in hospital and I couldn't hardly move I was like yes I'm going to get you know, blades like Oscar Pistorius and I'm gonna be able to run a marathon and all these sorts of things. And but then I like sort of after a while I was like, well I never ran a marathon before, so why do I suddenly want to run one now? So then it was like, well actually I want to be able to walk a kilometer (laughs) comfortably. Mm. And so it's just stepping those goals back and that and that mindset into attainable goals. And then rewarding yourself for it as well because that's the other thing is that you know we achieve so much in our lives but we kind of just brush it off as like oh yeah go me and then next kind of thing but it's actually like well no that's a really big thing and your what you might feel is something quite insignificant might actually be a huge thing for someone else so it's it's sharing that as well Mm. like I don't mean post everything on social media that's like look at me how amazing am i kind of thing but it's you can it can build your self-confidence and it can build your positive mindset and everything if you share something little that you might think is you know completely the tiniest thing ever um to to someone else it might be huge and it's like well hold on a minute if she can do that i can too and mm. so then, that's going to build something
0: in them. So, well, that's interesting. It's interesting to hear you talk about, you know, what's going through your head uh, on that hospital bed, and and you might not have got the blades and run run marathon. No. But when you like nine years later, you've spoken to thousands of people and really had an impact. I mean, was that ever, was that ever something that you would have conceived of? Like, was there any any kind of goal for that, or was it just something that evolved?
1: That definitely evolved from what happened because I had an absolute fear of public speaking. Before all this happened, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to stand up on a stage in front of hundreds of people and tell my story. There was no way. My boss used to stick me in front of our work group and make me give the update because she knew how much of a, pub, like a fear I had of public speaking. But I think my first ever event was a breakfast and I think I had a seven minute slot and they just wanted me to get up and just give a really brief outline of, I was still in hospital. So I got like taxed there in a wheelchair and, you know, wheeled up onto the stage and I told my story in seven minutes and then got off the stage and I was shaking the whole time. And I was like, Oh, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. But I had someone say to me, that was the best seven minutes I've ever heard at a event. And I was like, whoa (laughs) and I think from that then I got asked to speak at a friend's daughter's school and you know I had all these students they sent me all these letters afterwards and they were just like oh thank you so much you're amazing you're our favorite and all this sort of stuff and it just grew from there and I think now it's um I mean it's it's my career now and I enjoy it and I love meeting people and I love sharing my story and people come up to me afterwards and they, you know, they might not want to ask a question in front of the whole group of people, but they'll come up and ask me one-to-one and I'm more than happy with that. And yes, it's telling the same story over hundreds and hundreds of times, but um, I don't get sick of it, surprisingly. And I, um, there's always something new to tell or a different angle to go on depending on the event as well. Hmm. So obviously if I'm talking to a group of you know seven and eight year olds it's going to be a very different presentation too if I'm talking to a group of adults Mm. (laughs) who are having a few wines and can have a laugh
0: (laughs) sorry I've just got another psychology lesson maybe on the back of that but you know when you're when as you're saying you're repeating you're repeating your story over and over again is there something kind of cathartic about that and in the sense that you are like confronting it over and over again and you're You know you're showing this thing however you describe it that you're not beaten by it but you've actually you know you've actually embraced it and as you say made a career out of it is there is there some is there something to say cathartic in that
1: yeah and I think every time you I tell it I might tell it a little bit differently so it could be the exact same presentation and the same slides that are coming up on the screen but You know, depending on the audience and depending on the feedback that I'm getting, I might tell it slightly different or a new memory might pop in and I'll, you know, I'll sort of throw that into it as well. And it it can be quite healing um, to talk about it because it's almost like you separate yourself from it as well. Sometimes I feel Mm. like I'm telling someone else's story because it's like, oh gosh, I forgot, you know, even though I'm telling the same story a hundred times, I'll get to a slide and something will prompt me to talk about something. And it's like, you forget about the pain or you forget about the time that was like, I mean, it was seven and a half months in hospital. So it was a really long time, but it's amazing how over time you sort of can just be like, Oh, that's just like you know a small wave in the ocean it's not not as big a thing as what it maybe seemed like nine years ago.
0: Mm. That's amazing do you as well as a career that's come out of it I mean do you think it's kind of shaped your purpose in life do I mean do as has there been some kind of like a vision or a purpose that's solidified?
1: I definitely think that it's um well, it sent me down a completely different road to where I was going. I, I mean, I was working in the um, oil and gas industry. I was quite high level. I was It was very corporate, um, but also very site-based. So completely different industry to what I ever thought I would be doing. But this is the most rewarding career that I think I could have ever had. Mm-hmm. Because just to know that, possibly and amongst it all one person in that crowd might be impacted enough to not take their life or to not be so hard on themselves or to overcome something that's going on in their life like some sort of trauma or adversity and to know that I'm a part of that journey for them is huge and you can't you can't put a price on that so it's just it's hugely rewarding
0: and you do know that because you've had phone calls from people who have said exactly that. I mean, can you describe how that feels? What, oh, and-
1: it's. I mean, it, it gives me goosebumps even now just talking about it. So, you know, I go and talk to a school and you look around and there's, I mean, teachers always say to me afterwards, that's the first time that you could hear a pin drop in that assembly because normally the kids are like on their phones or so and every now and then I'll do a, a school and I'll say one of my standard jokes and it might not come across like come off well and I'm like oh tough crowd you know <laughs> but and all you'll look and there'll be one one kid who's kind of like rolling his eyes like oh she thinks she's cool and she's not and whatever <laughs> but um it's then after something like that that I'll get a message from someone and it will be like through Instagram or Facebook or something and they'll be like oh you spoke at my school today and um, I've been having a really bad time at home and um, you know you've changed my life today and I'm going to go and talk to someone and get this sorted out because you know you've made me realize that I actually don't want to take my life and things and it just a blows me away and i i mean i i know i can't change the world in a day but it's just if you can if i can just stop someone from those thoughts mm. or that you know or, or doing that um yeah it, it's it's why i do what i do
0: it, it's i mean that is such a profound thing even mm. you know for for one kid to not take their life on the back of what you've what you've spoken about I mean does that feel like a a world of responsibility on your shoulders
1: it can do but I also have to understand the fact that I can't change the world and I can't stop it completely from happening I mean um, I I couldn't be that person that you know makes myself readily available for phone calls in the middle of the night and you know I'm feeling this way and what can I do and things like that but if i can just give them some sort of tools to you know consider other other ways of looking at things that are happening in their life and realizing that there is more to life than just this one event that's happened or one traumatic thing that's happening and to be able to move on from that and you know start looking at things and being grateful for what they have left and like i'll stand up in front of a school and you know i'll be like talk about being grateful and I'll say, you know, a number of you are probably grateful that you got a, an iPhone for Christmas. Well, I'm grateful I've got elbows and knees and they like that's weird. And it's like, well actually no, it's not because I've got a really good friend of mine who lost his arms and legs, very similar situation to me, but very high up both sides and very high up on his legs. His quality of life is obviously very different to mine and mm. so it's just again shifting into that I'm grateful I've still got what I've got left and I can still do the things that I can do and I'm pushing myself constantly to, to overcome things and challenging myself and, you know, these, these people may just need that little, you know, kick up the butt to, to yeah. say, like, you know, let, let's do that together and it can be a journey and they can focus on those things as well.
0: I mean a lot of what you're talking about is really is really kind of individual and internal as well and 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 again connected to that sense of gratitude. but when you look at I mean as a country our youth suicide rates are just appalling uh, do, do what do you think is what do you think is behind that and this is a two-part thing but as a community what what do we need to start doing?
1: it's a It's a hard one because i I think it comes down to... Um, I I look back to when I was a teenager and you know getting bullied and stuff at school and it was just general like just name calling and stupid stuff like that but when you got on that bus to go home or you walked home from school and you got home it stopped and I think the, the biggest thing is because of social media and we've, everyone's got access to phones and things now, it never stops. And so mm. the, the hardest thing is, you know, people won't turn off their phones and they won't not look at messages that are, you know, telling them that they're ugly and they should kill themselves and all that sort of stuff. And so, I mean, I do think social media has got a lot to answer for. But I also think that we're, we're not... Being raised as tough as we were when we, when I was younger, <laughs> I think that's an, another thing is that resilience isn't being instilled into kids nowadays. So they do take things a lot more to heart. So you know, if your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you, that could be the end of the world. But you know, it's it's really not the end of the world. But it's just it's so all-consuming that they can't think of anything else. So it's, it's just, I think it's really just like trying to instill into these kids that, you know, that things are going to happen in life and the person that you're with right now when you're the age of 14 might not be who you're with at the age of 20, but you will find someone. It's not like, you know, and think, you know, something traumatic might happen to you down the track but it's how you cope with it and the tools that you use to be able to cope with it and overcome it. And it's, we, we've just got to instill that from such a young age now. And the amount of children that are suffering anxiety and depression blows me away. Like yeah. I just can't, can't fathom the fact that there's you know eight and nine-year-olds that are going to, the, to their GP and getting antidepressants and sleeping tablets and wow. stuff it's just yeah I've got a friend who works in the medical industry and she just said you know it's crazy to think that these clients or her patients are so young and they're on all this medication at such a young age and I just don't know where where we're going wrong Mm. because I mean five and six-year-olds are now being diagnosed with anxiety and it's just like what (laughs) like how, how can it be happening
0: and, and practically, how how do you? I mean, as a parent, how do you instill that resilience in your in your child? Because it's kind of natural. You want them to want give them the stuff that you didn't have growing up, you know. I
1: know, people. and that, yeah, that's the hard thing. And you, I mean, you you want to wrap them up in cotton wool. You want to save them from all the bad things in the world, but then you kind of need to leave like a little gap <laughs> where yeah. you like let some of the bad stuff in just to to build it up. But I mean, it's it's really difficult because, I mean, I, you know, I don't have a child, so I can't profess to being a parent. I've got a stepson, um, but he's an adult now. So, you know, I, I, I wasn't part of his early childhood years. And um, and I've got younger brothers and sisters who I pretty much, you know, raised as a parent. But it's, you know, like you get, you get people saying, oh, you know, a good – Um, Smack on the ass, never gave me any, you know, never did me any harm, kind of thing. But you don't want to just go out and say, "Oh yeah, it's fine to hit your kids," because then you get the whole other side of the coin where it's like domestic violence and all sorts of things. So it's it's just such a hard thing. But I think, like, yeah, like I said, it's, it's almost like we just need to let a little bit of stuff in, like let them fail. On an exam and not feel like a complete failure it's like well okay you failed that test or you failed that exam and um well i may just have to go get my power cord in a minute i didn't realize my battery was going flat <laughs> okay. I'll grab it in a sec um and yeah um but it's it's like just i think it's letting it, like they put so much pressure on themselves to, I have to win this race, or I have to get an A, or I have to pass all these exams. And, and it's like, well, actually, maybe every now and then it might be nice if you didn't win the race, or you didn't pass the exam, because then you know that you have to work harder next time, Mm. instead of everything happening and everything's going amazingly and then one little thing happens or a big thing in their mind and it throws everything off kilter and that's when they're like oh I don't want to be here anymore because my life's a failure it's like well no it's not a failure it's just one thing that's happened and we just need to get you to overcome it so Mm. yeah unfortunately that's where it is
0: well, I'll, I'll, I want to go from six-year-olds to uh, to corporates. But did you want to? Did you want to get your power back? In? I will get it just just a sec. <laughs> okay, so from uh, from six-year-olds to uh, to corporate teams, you have spoken to a lot of a lot of corporates along the way? What what do you think are some of the ways that we can instill resilience into into corporate cultures, into into companies, into businesses?
1: Um, I think, yeah, so it's obviously a very different level of um, message, I guess, when you are talking to a room full of corporates to a room full of 15-year-olds, for Mm. example. But um, I think with corporates, it's it's getting it across to the employer as well as the employee, I think is the biggest thing. Um, It's... Because we can kind of all, as employees, we can kind of get lost in the system. And it's recognizing the signs, I guess, of, um, you know, you're not just a number, you are actually a person in that organization, in that industry. And it's extremely important to, to recognize everything that that employee is doing. I mean, they, they might be, or they might feel like the other you know, lowest rung on the ladder, for example, but its I think it's just ensuring that there's um, positive a positive workplace and positive network of people and we don't just go to work and sit at our desk and put our headphones on and don't speak to anyone and don't engage with anyone around us and there's that whole... Um, Thing of, I need to get this. I need to get my job done, and I need to do it well, and I need to do this. But employers need to recognise that work as well, and and
0: Mm.
1: encourage encourage employees to um, see, you know, that they are doing a good job, and encourage them by. And it could be, it could be anything. It might just be like once a month, everyone goes out for a drink or out for lunch or something and just you, so then you actually feel like you're part of the organization and not just walking in every day and sitting there and you know people don't even know what your name is <laughs> because you're yeah. just sitting behind a a wall or you're in like a you know shared office space and no one talks and it's yeah I think it, it's it's harder to get those tools of resilience across I think too adults because they've already got so many bad habits instilled in them it's like this is how I deal with it and I'm going to carry on dealing with it that way and you're not going to change a thing for me but um you you do get the odd person who's like oh yeah (laughs) like Mm. it's like a little light bulb goes off and they're kind of like oh yeah I could probably do it that way too or um about it. it,
0: it's funny because hearing you talk about those things I mean it in a lot of ways, like, we're very, very basic creatures. And, and maybe the difference between, like, a 45-year-old senior manager and a 15-year-old uh, high school kid is probably not that different, you know. In, in, terms, of, in terms of work, like, uh, and there have been studies on it done in the past, but, you know, the financial reward is one thing, but often we are more driven by the recognition, uh, you know, to be seen. And when that's, that's not there, that must be very debilitating.
1: Mm, I definitely agree with that. I think it's, um, you know, if your if your boss walks past you and says, "Oh, that report that you dropped off the other day that was awesome," um, or even if it's you know positive criticism, and that might be that, um, or oh, can you just add add in a paragraph about this or we'll change this or whatever, but the rest of it was great, and and it is that it's not always financial reward. Like you could be earning the most amount of money you've ever earned in your life, but are you actually feeling you know rec- mm-hmm. uh, recognized for your work and it's like whoa I'm you know I'm financially more financially sort of able than I've ever been but I can't I hate my job or uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> my boss doesn't even know my first name or anything like that so um, yeah I definitely think recognition is a huge part of it and you're right it, it doesn't matter if you're 15 or 45 or 60 we are always we're always looking for that positive reinforcement and from other people.
0: How does it how does it work for you? Because you don't have you know, it's not like you're part of a, a single corporate you might go around and deal with a whole lot, but you do you have to be quite self motivated.
1: Very, yeah, I think it, that I mean, but then in saying that too, um the f- getting the feedback that I get is mm-hmm. my positive reinforcement
0: That's so good.
1: it's um, it, you know it, it might be someone will come up to me after the event and be like can I give you a hug or um, can you come and share your story with someone else or you know a teacher rang me yesterday from a school that I haven't spoken at and he said oh um, I've spoken to a teacher here who you spoke at the school he was at a couple of years ago and he's um, basically demanding that I get you in here to speak. And so it's knowing that you're out there and that the people are talking about you and in a good way as well. So that's that's what keeps me going and because, yeah, I work for myself on my own at all times. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't think I could do it if I wasn't hearing from people or knowing that what I was doing was actually... You know a good thing and it was having a positive impact on people um mm. because otherwise yeah it would it would certainly make me step back and look at what I'm doing and whether I should be doing this or not doing this and go and do something else
0: <laughs> well as as well as that I mean you you do juggle you are you are covering other things as well, so you you'd work for a number of non profit organisations and trusts. Can you can you talk a little bit about what you do there and the importance yeah, sure. of that for you?
1: So um, yeah, before moving back from Australia, we sort of thought we'd come back to New Zealand for the quiet life. And obviously, I can't say no to anything, so I've <laughs> just put myself into a whole different you know, range of um, organizations. So uh, I'm the treasurer for the Hawke's Bay and East Coast Amputee Society. I'm the vice president um, for the Amputee Federation of New Zealand. I'm on the board as a consumer rep for the um, New Zealand Sepsis Trust. And um, I'm also uh, part of a local community um group that's called Staros, which is for, um, we're a support network for those affected by suicide. Um, And I'm also like quite heavily involved in awareness around sepsis and being an amputee and all that sort of thing. So I'm always sort of advocating to try and get into um, the DHBs and um, talk about mental health and all those things as well. So it's um yeah a, a busy wee life but um but I still love it.
0: <laughs> do uh, do we have a way to go? I mean, so so part of as you are saying, part of what you're doing is raising awareness, talking to DHBs and that kind of thing. How far how far do we have to go in terms of uh, say um, uh, awareness of sepsis, uh, even uh, even our response within DHBs and and uh, the approach to it?
1: Um, we do still have a long way to go, um, unfortunately. Sepsis doesn't get the same awareness as a lot of other, um, you know, diseases or um, like, you know, cancer and um, all those sorts of things. So a lot of people have never heard of it or they think that it's blood poisoning or they um, think they'll never get it um, or that it's caused by one specific thing. But sepsis is your body's reaction to an infection. So any infection can lead to sepsis if it's not treated correctly and quickly. Um, so basically, you know, a, a cut on your leg can turn septic and then that can cause your body to shut down and then all of a sudden you're in an induced coma and fighting for your life. Um, or it could be um, you know pneumonia might lead to it. So it's it's just mm. any infection that is impacting on your body. But we don't have enough awareness around, you know, you go into your GP, there should be a sign on the wall that says, are you suffering any of these symptoms? Um, if you answer yes to three or more, uh, you know, either go to an emergency department or ask your GP, could it be sepsis? And then because it gets treated differently and it's treated in a more rushed manner. So your body and like, the person needs to be put on IV antibiotics immediately. But we also, as a nation, and probably as a world, but we have that she'll be right attitude. And a lot of the time think, oh, it's just the flu, or, you know, Mm -hmm. men will be like, oh, it's just man flu. And then before you know it, it's turned deadly. And, you know, I had a friend who thought he had man flu. Um, Suddenly he was passed out on the floor. Body started turning blue. He's rushed off in an ambulance, put in an induced coma, and then ended up a quad amputee like me. So it's just, you know, not every infection leads to sepsis. That's the other thing is it's, we don't want everyone thinking it could be sepsis just from everything, but it's knowing the signs and getting that out there and the awareness out there. Um, so, yeah, advocating for that and and for you know the amputee side of it as well as about you know life choices and looking after yourself and being aware of skin conditions and um, you know circulation issues and all that sort of thing that could lead to you having to have your leg amputated for example from you know diabetes or um, things like that so I mean obviously we can't change the trauma the accidents and things like that but we can if we can try and Get people aware of what's happening with their bodies. and mm. might lessen that as well.
0: So I mean, so when you look at our diabetes rates in the Pacific and here as well. We must be pretty. I think we're pretty high, uh, mm. high globally. Does that does that lead to a lot of amputation amongst New Zealand? It
1: does. Yeah, Di- um, diabetes and like vascular um, are the highest causes. Um, of amputations, and then you've got obviously um, congenital that like you might be born that way, or um, um, your know, trauma, or yes, you know, some, some sort of injury as well. So there is yeah, whole, but the yeah the diabetes and vascular ones are definitely the highest rate as well.
0: Now both in, in terms of both organisations, the um, what sort of public support do you get? Because they're non profit, right? You need
1: Yes, yeah, so um, not for profit. So um, the Amputee Federation um, is solely based on um, grants and um, fundraising. So and that overarching organisation is covers the whole of New Zealand. So it's a national body that supports all of the regional societies, and they do national um, like annual conferences and events, and provide um, you know like sports days and everything in um conjunction with the new zealand amputee limb service and um so yeah they, they're solely based on fundraising as well and then obviously the new zealand sepsis trust is a also a not-for-profit um, they do have the backing of acc to a certain degree but i mean they have rolling they've rolled out a national action plan they're trying to get a, you know pamphlets and flyers and then um protocols into dhbs for triage and all these sorts of things so i mean it's a it's a huge effort and a huge expense so they also are relying on fundraising um you know people can donate through the website or you can sign up and do a um, walk for sepsis so you can select them at however many kilometers you want to walk and things like that and and then Staros is the suicide um Support group that's also a not for profit. So, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's hard work on these organisations to because there's so many obviously as well, so many big um, not for profit organisations out there that get um, Mm. you know a lot of uh, publicity as well. But um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's it's good to be a part of, and you feel like you're giving back and. It's, you know, it's just my time and my effort and to um, try and have these organisations go further and raise awareness as much as we can around New Zealand.
0: Brilliant. Well, we'll include some some links uh, to the websites as well. Um, okay. You're ta- uh, you talking about the uh, part of your work with uh, the sepsis side of things is to really raise awareness and, and to get people thinking about some of those signs because there are, as you say, there are so many... Different ways that you could you could get it, but uh, can you talk about what what symptoms uh, what the symptoms are and what to look out for?
1: Yep. so um, my, the most important ones are that you get um, rapid breathing, like your heart rate um, increases a lot, um, and you can get shortness of breath. And then um, the other ones are like your blood pressure will drop like really low, but obviously people don't carry around. Blood pressure <laughs> trackers so but you might be able to see the signs of that like you might be feeling really fatigued and lethargic and um the most um common ones yeah, are the the, the rapid breathing the rapid heart rate the drop in your blood pressure um some people can stop going to the toilet like they'll they'll have that need of going to the toilet as taken away and it's just like your body's just shutting that down so you I think it's to do with your kidneys it's probably just shutting your kidneys down Um, but the sense of impending doom is a big one that most people that have suffered it before they they really do feel like um, that it's the worst cold they've ever had or the worst um, pain they've ever had or the worst feeling they've ever had and then there's um, fevers so you, you might be, like, shaking or, um, like, you'd have, like, a massive chill or your temperature is, like, through the roof. So, there, I mean, a lot of it can sound like, you know, a common cold or virus, but when you have sort of three or four of them, that's when we want people to be like, oh, this is probably a bit more serious than just a cold or a virus. Um, yeah, so I can um, send you through. Both okay. as well just
0: as okay. oh, a, a list okay um and so as well as as well as the time that you put into into those organizations as well as the time that you spend uh going around and talking to schools and and corporates and and other groups um but you are also an ambassador for a really cool local brand at can you talk about how that works and and what happens there
1: Um, Yes, so I've been um, with Adashiko, I think I've been using the product now for it must be about five years. Um, So I am um, really close with and good friends with the the owner Lucy. And that's how I got onto the product in the first place. uh, Because she recommended it to me. um, Because I my sepsis um, arose from a perforated bowel. And so I still to this day have quite a, a lot of, you know, bowel and gut issues and um, have found that the Azshiko powder has really helped with that. Um, it's like healing from the inside out. Um, and the, um, I, I use all of their products and um, just st- like completely stand by them 100%. The Noni Gel is another amazing product for me, specifically for my scarring. I have found that scarring that I have, um, like I had a tracky, so a ventilation tube in my neck. Um, The scar on my neck is very minimal compared to what I've seen on other people, Um, and I, you know, I put that down to using the Noni Gel daily, and um, even on my arms and things like that. The scarring on those is minimal as well, so. Um, it is, it's an, an amazing product. Um, you know, people sort of say, you know, oh, collagen doesn't even work and all these sorts of things. But I can definitely attest to the fact that it works for me specifically. Um, and, you know, I've got other friends and family onto it as well. And they all love it too. And, you know, they, they are buying it as well. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's an amazing organization to be a part of and I'm just grateful to be an ambassador for them and to you know get their product out there more through my networks and things
0: yeah it, it's been interesting I've, I've watched I've watched over the last uh, couple of years and and just the way that Adesheko operates and the ambassadors that they work with do you do you get the feeling that 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 you know, a lot of businesses, a lot of uh, companies, are really starting to to shift. Like there are other metrics apart from the financial. You know, it is about uh, it is about having a wider impact on the world. I guess I'm I'm kind of fumbling around here, but I, I get the sense that you know behind Edushika is something more important than just selling lots of units of collagen. There is a there's a bigger picture there.
1: Yeah, I definitely think um, you know the their business plan, so to speak, is, I mean, it is to encourage people to look after look after ourselves more and it's it's really focused on that. They I think Atacheco is a company that doesn't just want to sell a you know million different products just with their name on it and that's it. They put a huge amount of research and work into each product that they launch. Um, like their collagen water I mean that it wasn't just something that happened overnight. There was a, a huge amount of work that went into that, and they wanted to be they wanted to do it right. And they they don't just throw a product out there and think, oh, you know, it's all right because the rest of our stuff sells, so this will sell just as well. Um, you definitely f- you find that they they're really focused on pr- like producing the right products at the right time. Um, and I don't think that they want their market to expand beyond that. I think it's it's keeping it close-knit and it's the few core products that they have got that people love. Um, it's just building on that and selling those rather than, oh, what's the next thing we can do and what's the next thing we can do, which I think a lot of other businesses might you know do wrong. Mm. Um, I, I, to me, it's about... Keep yourself small enough that you can do it right, rather than huge, and then you lose the impact.
0: Yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning of the conversation as well. Instead oh. of trying to focus on the big picture and going too too kind of crazy, also focus on the details and and yeah. you know marvel at the small yeah. things. Yeah. 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 Also, yeah. at the beginning of the conversation, you spoke about uh, those days where you might be. Uh, You know, you feel sorry for yourself. They might be rare, but is that still okay? Is that okay to have that? You know, is that part of a balance to to just sometimes have off days?
1: I think it's necessary to have those days. I reckon it's your body and your mind's way of saying hold up, enough's enough. Um, It's not sustainable to be a hundred percent up all the time. I have found over the, I used to think that I was failing at something if I had a day where I just didn't want to get out of my pajamas and I was like, I'm not going to adult today. If the world, you know, <laughs> I'm over it. Why me? Poor me. I'm, I need to cry. So I've definitely learned over the years that if I wake up in that sort of mindset that I just have to embrace it and allow it to happen. And it might be that I cry for 20 minutes and I'm a blubbering mess. And then my fiance Craig will come in and be like, are you over it now? And I'm like, yep, I'm good and get on with the day. But yeah, it's definitely, sorry, I think someone just turned up. Um, It's definitely, um, yeah, a sense of embrace it, allow it to happen, but know that tomorrow is gonna be a better day. It's yeah, you can't let it consume you, because otherwise it's just, it just gets too much, and then one day becomes darker, and the next day becomes darker, and it's very hard to pull yourself out of that hole. But yeah, you definitely have to allow yourself to have those days when you need them. Mm-hmm.